Welcome to the It Crowd Podcast, where technology leaders converge with the boardroom elite. In this digital hub, the pulse of cybersecurity, mobility, managed services, and networking comes alive. Here, innovators and decision makers unite, forging a dynamic dialogue for tomorrow's success. So whether you're a tech aficionado or a C-suite strategist, this is your platform. Join host Richard Rodriguez and Josh Lowry as they bridge these worlds, curating insights and fostering a collaborative dialogue. The It Crowd podcast is proudly brought to you by the following sponsors. ClearSync Solutions, unifying your technology solutions with simplicity. From M&A integration to global connectivity, cybersecurity to managed services, we're your comprehensive partner aligning your business goals with technology for energy, oil and gas, and financial service firms. Trust our proven track record. ClearSync Solutions, one ClearSync, countless possibilities. eCentire. The authority in managed detection and response protects the critical data and applications of our customers from the known and unknown cyber threats by providing exposure management, managed detection and response, as well as incident response services designed to build your organization's cyber resilience and prevent business disruptions. By combining open XDR platform technology, 24-7 threat hunting, and proven security operation leadership, eCentire's award-winning MDR services and team of experts help organize organizations anticipate, withstand, and recover from cyber attacks. Evolve IP. Evolve IP is the only provider that can start with a single remote hybrid workforce solution and grow the account into a multi-solution contract. Evolve IP delivers integrated work anywhere technologies that enable IT departments to do more with less by getting them out of the PC, BBX, and VPN business. By leveraging our underlying providers, Microsoft, Cisco, VMware, and Citrix, Evolve IP offers services in four categories. Microsoft Teams Direct Routing, Virtual Desktop, Virtual Servers, Disaster Recovery, Backup as a Service, and O365 Azure. Contract Centers, Customer Experience, Leveraging Data as a Service, and any CCAS provider without a VPN or corporate-owned PC. Put us up against any standalone Microsoft Teams, Cisco WebEx, VDI-Data-as-a-Service, VCast, or CCast vendor. You'll find that Evolve IP offers the best support, fully optimized solutions, and the ability to consistently grow the account so you can make more money. Welcome to the It Crowd podcast. We are coming to you live from the Upright Digital Studios in Houston, Texas. I am joined, as usual, with the co-host extraordinaire, Mr. Richard Rodriguez. How are you, Richard? I'm doing great, Josh. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm getting better and better at that introduction while staring at the camera as though I'm a newscaster. So I, uh, I always tell people I don't like doing that, but it feels like it's getting easier. So one take this time. One I'm take. Yeah, that's. it's always embarrassing when you have to start over like saying your name. But yeah. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. We are... We, don't always timestamp these, but we're going to timestamp this. We are doing this the week of Thanksgiving 2023. Yes. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? It crept up on me, honestly. I mean, we've you know we've had a, a very busy time, yeah. and it, it just seems to be flying by. You mean um, the entire 2023? For me, it was like the second half. Like, yeah. it started slow, and then all of a sudden, summer hit, and there's like, bang, 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 bang. That's a good point. Right. It, it went fast. And especially for the podcast stuff like this has really taken off <laughs> and it was funny when when you were on me and you're like we got to do this yeah and i didn't believe how fast it would take off and so like, just sit back and watch <laughs> it, you won't believe it right and yeah. that's what's amazing about the media of podcast is 
how many people are starting to listen to it, how this is the information, how this is how they choose to get their information. Now it's whether they're working out, whether they're driving, they have 20, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, and like instead of listening to, you know, the next Taylor Swift song, which I love the next Taylor Swift song, you know, you go for an hour on something educational and you we've I, I told you some of the stats on how many countries we're in and how many states we're in and how many cities we're in and it went from, you know, I think we only have five or six episodes released yep. thus far. We have another Correct. five that are in the can. But, you know, we're in 50 countries and we're in 45 states and we're in 120 U.S. cities. And like all of a sudden you realize just how fast right. this is going. And that's a lot of that has to do with obviously the content. Um, we're getting a lot of um, good feedback. You know, you and I were in Orlando a couple of weeks ago and telling some friends of ours about this down there. And the what I didn't realize was the need for this type of podcast. There's a lot of people trying to talk about just really specific niche. Like here's my my widget is this and this, but this is not what this podcast is. And I think I really do think we have something that's kind of lightning in a bottle with this podcast. I'm excited about it. I do too. I mean, every and that's what that's why so much you know when you kept asking, it was like all the research that we did was everything was very technical that yeah. was out there. It's like, that's not what we want right. to do. We want to, again, we want to educate all of our friends. We want to make, you know, make them aware of things that are out there because the landscape changes every what, day. What you every don't know can day. hurt you. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. exactly right. So good to go. Well, so I always, this is my favorite part of the podcast is ignoring our guests that just sit in the room as long as possible. Just try not to look at them. We know they're there. But this is another one. We've got a guest. we got a great guest in the room. And uh, you want to introduce him or should I? No, I'll introduce him. Okay. So Pedro, I was excited. Pedro Buigas from uh, currently Kodiak Gas Services. Um, you know, highly, highly uh, respected in our industry, not only oil and gas, but the IT industry as well. And we are very lucky to have him on our, on our podcast. So welcome, Pedro. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I noticed you wearing your Ohio, your Ohio State uh, pullover here. You're having quite a year. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And it, uh, the Ohio the, State I was, University. I was right. wondering if he was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You yes. know, I think Chris, uh, what's his name, the wide receiver, um, made that famous about 20 years ago. The, the Ohio, Ohio yeah. State. Now, uh, I was on a game a couple of weeks ago at homecoming, and now they're selling shirts with the word the. Just that's it. it. Just it. The. That's kind of yeah. cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Richard's a UT guy. You guys are, uh, you're probably going to make the uh, playoffs, I would imagine, right? Richard's fighting hard here, so. Man, holding on. It's yeah. like being a Cowboys fan this season, which is terrible, because, like, you're just, you're holding on every single quarter, like, please don't blow it. Please don't this, blow this it. This could be their year. You know, we, the Texans have C.J. Stroud. They do. And they he do. is really good. He's tearing it he's up. He's really performing. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. It's yeah. incredible how good yeah. he is. Seems like, a, by all accounts, a, a gentleman and... I'm sure you guys loved having him up there as well. So we do. We've actually started going to games, and and of course the new coach is, is yeah. really kicking yeah. butt. So uh, glad glad to see him perform at this level, though. You know, you said something a minute ago. We're going to get into your career, but yep. you know, Richard, during your introduction, you said respected in in both oil and gas and in the IT world. That's interesting. You know, I don't really know. I never thought of it as though a person that could be in one industry <laughs> and in two industries at the same time. Do you you view yourself as a Kind of a dual industry type of person at all times. Um, that's a that's a interesting question and and point. This is the greatest podcast you yeah. ever do, by the way. So yeah. <laughs> many interesting questions are yeah. coming your way. Um, you know, I think that you could be a pure play technology person 
who is you know interested in you know ERPs and systems and you know email and communication and cybersecurity and never really understand what your company does to produce revenue right right uh, because there are a lot of IT departments that are kind of siloed out and they're just a service organization within the larger organization and they provide a product that is consumed by internal users. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, my approach throughout my career has been a little different uh, where I typically partner up with operations, right? And, and my job is to make their jobs easier and, and better and uh, provide essentially solutions to them. And it's hard to do if you don't get what they do, right? right? If you don't understand what drives the company, what drives the business, what, you know, your, your levers, right? It's very difficult to, to be creative and, and come up with solutions and, and ideas and, uh, and proposals. Uh, and then you're kind of then that IT guy that you call when something's not working versus the person that you call when you need help solving a, a true business problem. Yeah, I think that's very interesting because I, I've seen it both. I've, I've seen both of those, right? And it, it is funny because, you know, if if you have a, a true partner in the business um, and it makes it makes such a huge difference when you're bringing solutions and, and especially, you know, at that sea level when you're taking solutions to the board and they can they can tell obviously when you're connected or you're not. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you could be talking about this great new technology and everybody's like, that's awesome, but it doesn't help the business move forward. Exactly. And mm -hmm. so having that true partnership makes it makes a big difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at your resume and was that an active thought early on that like hey i need to learn what these businesses do when and as well as i grow or am i or was i wanting to understand everything i mean how did that how did that evolution of your thought process come to mind yeah i don't think it was a conscious decisions early on i think it just happened naturally um you know i started my career uh, as a software developer in a small software development company in dublin ohio and in fact i i I got there by chance, right? Mm -hmm. I had a buddy in high school that had a work program where he was literally putting computers together for this company. And he reached out one time and, and said, hey, you're pretty good at Pascal and they're looking for a developer. Would you like to apply? And I did and they hired me uh, as a software developer as a senior in high school making $12 an hour. Looking back, they were taking advantage of me. <laughs> but uh, but really, I you know, I, at that point, I was a, a, a what you would call a programmer, mm -hmm. right? Somebody would come in and say, look, develop something that does this, and then you would just code it. Um, and then um, had some opportunities to get involved with other companies locally in, in Dublin and uh, came across a company that was developing a, a mobile app for a utilities company. Uh, now keep in mind, this is in the year yeah. 1998, 1999, right? Mobile apps were not a thing back sure, then, right? right? On um, Palm Pilots or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so this was uh, a Windows CE device. <laughs> it was about the size of that table. Uh, it was leveraging the CDPD network, with, which back then was the same network that RIM yep. was using for their Blackberries. 19 bots, which you know in today's <laughs> world is equivalent to Morse code. Uh, and, and, you know, they created this mobile app that was quite successful for the niche market that they were targeting. And, and I think at that point, it was kind of that inflection point where 
because it was a small company, I was forced to really interact with not only the, the architects, right, but, but the, the end customers. And having that voice tell me, well, I really wanted to do this, right? And understanding why it, they needed the system to do what they were asking, not so much just saying, you know, go from A to B, but if you tell me the why, I may think that yeah. maybe there's a better route, right? Maybe there's a, a C option that right. you haven't thought about. Um, so that that was kind of the, that, you know, I would say in my career, that was a, a, a nice inflection point to where I turned from a kind of like a pure play technologist to a, you know, junior business analyst, if you want to call it that. I mean, that was young. Yes. Okay, yes. so that's, I mean, you're saying part of my career, but you were a kid still. I was, I was in college. Yeah, I was yeah. I was forced to kind of grow up early on due well, to my family situation. Well, that's, so yeah. if you don't mind, I mean, because yeah. I, I did get, I get, this is my problem. I have yeah. a couple of espressos, I get excited, and then I forget what I want to know. Mm -hmm. So you're from Spain. I am. But all of a sudden you're talking about growing up in, or you're in high school in Dublin, Ohio. I am. Yeah. That that's something. Where am I missing? How did yeah, how did this so, happen? So uh, my mom at the time uh, married a, a you know a guy from Dublin, Ohio, okay. and and she relocated me and my sister to Dublin. Uh, so I was a freshman in high school, uh, knew very little English, okay. um, and you know I go from living on a coastal town in Spain, where you can walk to the beach, it's perfectly okay to have a drink every once in a while, to you know. Columbus, Ohio, right? <laughs> not not uh, the Caribbean. Um, and and the biggest thing, um, you know, that that happened to me at the time was... Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Like, you go from having all these freedoms and uh, to being landlocked, what I would call landlocked, right? Because in, in a suburban area in, in Dublin, you couldn't walk places. Like, it was yeah. just too far, right? So you go from, you know, a urban town to a suburban town, not knowing the language, you know, get thrown into a huge high school, um, you know, going to ESL. So um, that, you know, it, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to say it was super challenging, but it wasn't easy, sure. right? So Definitely you're kind a of culture shock for sure in, in many ways. Yes, in many yeah. ways. I remember uh, going to Kroger for the first time in the United States and just walking through the produce aisle and being like, my goodness, this is so big. Like, why would anyone need such a big grocery store? Right. It's obnoxiously big, right? Um, now, of course, uh, I've lived here longer in the United States, longer than I had in Spain. So I go back to Spain, and I'm like, everything's so small. Yeah, right. <laughs> I need more <laughs> carrot right. apples. Yeah, well, right. right. There's only 16 types of apples. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So you, you come over to high yeah. school. You it takes you a, a couple months, a year to learn English. Were comfortable for you? Yeah, or? watching cartoons on TV definitely helped. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I, I was in ESL my first year in high school. And then uh, my second year in high school, I, I transitioned to normal schedule. Um, and, and But, you know, the social aspect of life wasn't there, right? Because, you know, you haven't made those friends that have grown up with you through your mm -hmm. middle school, elementary school. Um, you know, my, our social economic um, state at the time forced me to essentially get a job at a grocery store when I was 14. Um, and so those kind of things kind of, you know, being the older kid as well. You were the oldest son? I was. Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got to grow up faster. Yeah, sure. you, you grow up fast, right? And I think, I think that 
helped me in some ways. Uh, looking back in my career and where I'm at today, I certainly you know had some traits about my personality that helped me get where I'm at today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also look back and you know when thinking about my daughter who's now 13 in eighth grade, like I want her to have a different experience, sure. right? I want her to enjoy high school. I want her to enjoy college, college, not think like, my gosh, I just I have to right. get a job. I got to, mm-hmm. you know, I got to help pay, pay the rent, bill, right. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, so certainly, you know, looking back, no regrets, but um, I also, you know, have different, different goals for my, my daughter. Mm-hmm. That's, about to enter that stage. You know, it's a tricky thing. We're not going to leave this subject. We're going to hang mm-hmm. on to that. But what you've just described, it's so tricky because what you have described is what makes you great. You know, and those challenges and the diversity, you know, when you have to climb and crawl and fight and scrap, you be, you know, you develop scar tissue. Mm-hmm. And the skills that you mentioned is what makes you great. <laughs> and like we've got our kids are all the same. And, you know, we've, we grow up here and they've got these lives that look easy by comparison. And, you know, how do you create this? And again, we're not going to solve that in this question, but like, how do you create some adversity to where they know how to fight and scrap when it's time to fight and scrap? And because the world is always going to throw challenges at at them too. And, you know, I just, I love hearing the stories of of people. That's one of the cool part about this podcast is that, um, you know, nobody gets to where they are, especially the people that we interview Mm -hmm. without some significant adversity in their lives. And it's it's amazing that that yours started out by going from a coastal town to, to Ohio, and you're like, well, this is not where I want to be. This is <laughs> I got to figure <laughs> right. something out here. <laughs> Nobody speaks my language, and I don't have any friends. Like, let's go figure this life out here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Shovel yeah. snow. Yeah, <laughs> what is snow? Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about winter quarter at college. Wow. <laughs> All right. So yeah. then you go to college. You go to, okay, you get into Ohio State. I went to Ohio State, and, and at the time it was the path of least resistance, right? Um, I, I have a passion for aviation. Uh, at the time, I was I really wanted to go to Embry Riddle, uh, and but it was a again an economic decision. Is right? that the one in down in South? It's the aviation college. Yeah. Uh, so okay. pretty much, if you want to be a, either a commercial pilot or Ultimately, you want to be an aeronautical engineer and transition to NASA mm-hmm. or some other big company. That's the school to go to. Um, but Ohio State offered me a full ride, and it was hard to pass sure. that up. Oh, yeah. And at the time, I was working as a software developer for this small company. And so you're like, "What am I going to do? What's my t- you know, yeah. what's my major? It's like computer science." Uh, so, and this is know, in the late '90s. It is. So yeah, this is a great time to yeah. think about this. I mean, the dot-com bubble, if you, it mm-hmm. wasn't a bubble, it was dot-com was just booming at this time. Yeah. So you looked at this, I would imagine this was very appealing. It to, was, yeah, absolutely. And and it came easy, you know, and not, that's not to say that it was easy, but like, I, I got it, right? Yeah. Like when, you know, it like, just made sense. It just made sense. Yep. So I, I think, you know, people would ask me, it's like, how do you learn Pascal? And then how do you transition from from Pascal to C++, C++. Yeah. or, you know, some people had just, you know, they, you know, not to get overly technical, but, you know, you get from pointers to, um, like, it just made sense, right? So it was easy. It was, it just made sense. My brain just clicked. Yeah. Uh, and then through college, I, I didn't do particularly well in certain classes that were, I think I, I got an A in statistics one time and I went to class twice the, <laughs> the entire time. Um, and then uh, I remember having a computer programming class that I, I, um, 
I got a really good grade the first quarter or the first half of the class. Um, but then, you know, completely messed up the second yeah. half. And it was because my, the professor actually called me and was like, well, what happened here? And I'm like, I think it just got too easy. And, you know, I stopped caring and I stopped mm. going to class and I stopped. I'm sure they love to hear that. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't always make the, the right decisions uh, <laughs> at that time. But, um, but everything, you know, again, looking back, everything that happened to me was was a learning experience. And it's something that I can, like, point to and say, that taught me something, right? Uh, and I learned from that experience. Mm -hmm. So you go through college, graduate with a uh, computer science degree. I did. Mm -hmm. And then you're out of college and you go to where? Microsoft. Okay. Yep. They found um, you, obviously. Or yeah. I, I think I read so where they found you. They, uh, so at, uh, I don't want to. I say obviously. They, I was a senior at the time and I had a computer science class and, and we had a big <laughs> class project and, and you get paired up with, you know, a group of people that are your peers. And, and we worked on, a, on this project for, for, you know, half a class. And at the time it was uh, an image, image search algorithm where you would upload an image and you could scavenge the internet for images that looked like that image. Mm -hmm. Google came up with this feature uh, yeah. a little bit later. Um, and uh, one of the individuals in that group went to work for Microsoft as a project manager. And, and she really was my advocate because she reached out within the organization and mm. said, look, you need to go hire this guy, right? So um, I, in my mind, like I'd never had intentions to apply at Microsoft that, yeah. you know, it, it just happened and, and she reached out and said, hey, do you mind if I set you up with this you know, uh, recruiter? And I said, sure, sounds great. Come on. So, so she was really the reason why I went to Microsoft. Um, so did an interview over the phone, they flew me out there. Um, you know, they have the typical gotcha questions yeah. on, the, on the interview. Tell us um, your weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What happened? You know, uh, why do why are manhole covers round? Right. <laughs> that's, that's one of the. Typical <laughs> that's that's yeah. one of the ones you remember. That's <laughs> yeah. I was actually trying to yeah. think about is it because they don't won't fall in on themselves. Exactly. Look right. at that. Yeah. Oof. And I think that's the answer. And, you know, I think the wrong answer is if you try to overcomplicate Overthink the solution. Yeah. Right. right. And, and you're like, I don't know. Um, that might be the only question I'd get right at Microsoft's interview. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, and, the, and the other interview, that they, the question that they ha asked me, I remember, was um, how would you go about designing a GPS system for, for a vehicle? Um, and, and it's all about trying to uh, gather how your problem solving, you know, how would you go about solving a problem? Mm -hmm. Not so much about did you get the right solution, but... How does your mind right. work, and are you are you you know? He put it sound, all together. It's a right. sound yeah. approach, yeah. Uh, and Microsoft was great. Uh, I moved to Redmond, you know, got an apartment, enjoyed the whole collegiate approach to to mm. work. Um, it was really big. I remember, right? You had to take a bus from from building to building. And yeah, I've been on that campus. It's enormous. Yeah, it's really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Up in yeah. Richmond, Virginia, Redmond, yeah. Redmond, 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 Washington. Yeah. Oh, Redmond, Washington. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I th and it was awesome. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was in the at the time what it was called the Microsoft Office Engineer Sustaining Engineering Team. Uh, which literally means we we fix bugs, right? So somebody calls Microsoft support, it escalates all the way up to the dev team, and then you're in charge of, of solving the bug or fixing the bug. So 
that allowed me to touch a lot of different pieces of code, not just um, like you know one specific feature right. within the product, but I, I literally got to touch a lot of aspects of Microsoft Outlook and Word and Excel. Uh, but what I learned about the you know what the what Microsoft had the biggest impact on me was the formality of the software development lifecycle, right? Mm -hmm. Because even though it was highly informal work environment, the minute that you had to submit work, it was a very formal process. Uh, how you submit your work product, how do you get peer, peer reviews, how do you go in front of a board to essentially describe what your mm. code fix does and how you tested it. And, and you, so looking back at that, ex, you know, that experience is, it, it really taught me about, hey, you better make sure you know what you're talking about right, before, exactly. before you push the submit button because you're gonna get asked questions that you may get wrong, but the I don't know is a really bad answer, right? Because it, it implies that you haven't done your homework. So, so the quality, you know, the work quality, the, of, uh, of the quality of the work product became extremely important to me because every time I submitted something, I knew that not only was I gonna have my peers reviewing it, but then I had to go in front of this board, which was pretty formal, and explain my code. Mm -hmm. And they would ask me questions. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Um, so you know, you before you do that, then you you start trying to preempt all their questions, and and through that, you you kind of learn a lot, and and you challenge yourself to to do better every right. time. I just want to make sure the audience heard just something really simple you said that matters. Uh, the I don't know is a bad answer because it implies you haven't done your homework. Mm -hmm. That is a very simple way of giving an elegant answer of make sure you are prepared. Yes. I, I love that. That's I you know anything we do we try to be very prepared and you know back to the point of this podcast is we feel like a lot of our friends that listen are in a position of you know I don't really know what that is. I've heard of it. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. And the problem is we are we don't think we're gonna we're in a world that and I don't know works anymore. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna get to this later, but I just wanted to make sure that the audience starts listening for that type of solution as this podcast goes on. So it's just designed to start eliminating the I don't know. So just very simple. Yeah. Wanted to interject. I thought that was a great answer. So all right. See, I'm just throwing you off there a little yeah. bit, but I love it. So all right. And, so and just to to that point I would say, you know, it I don't know is a better answer than making it making up on the fly. Okay, so <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. But it, like, yeah. go figure out the answer too, Absolutely. though, right? Yeah, yes. that's yeah. you're right. You don't want to just lie and be like, "Oh, it's a it's a gigawatt." Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you start digging the hole. That's very right. hard to get out that's of. That's awesome. Times. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. All right. So you're moving on. You you're you, you're kind of you come into the oil and gas space. You have this mentality of, I've got to build cases. I've got to be able to prove the case and. The oil and gas space in particular is one that rewards, we, we know this, people that are problem solvers. Mm -hmm. And you probably noticed that right away. You pr Ohio, Ohio State, Spain, you probably never saw yourself coming into the oil and gas world. No. Uh, in fact, uh, I remember, so through this company that was we were doing the Windows CE development, I, I got a, you know inbound call from one of their salespersons. And she's like, uh, hey, I have a contact in Houston who's looking for a, a, a guy that can help them out with some software. Uh, would you be interested in talking to them? And I said, sure. So I, uh, I remember taking this call in the, parking lot, in the parking lot of Ohio State and 
And uh, this individual uh, asked me to fly down to Houston and meet, meet him and meet the team and see if we could come up with something. And I did. Um, and it was a very small company, a solid control company um, out of, you know, off of Washington Street. And the one thing I remember about that trip is I've never seen it rain so hard as it was <laughs> raining that day in Houston. Uh, you don't get that kind of rain in Columbus and you certainly don't get that kind of rain in Spain. Um, and and um, when he made me the, the job offer to, to move down to Houston and I was working at Microsoft, uh, his comment was, um, you know, do you want to be uh, the head of the mouse or the tail of the lion? And that's how he got me over the hump of, of actually yeah. taking the leap sure. and leaving Microsoft, which it was an awesome place to be at, very comfortable, uh, a lot of glamour, uh, and work for a small solid control company in Houston with you know 45 employees. Um, and, and I took the leap and, and I would say from then on, I've been on this, on this, on this train nice. of oil and gas. Yeah. Nice, okay. So you come in, and you are bringing technologies mm -hmm. to oil and gas. And this is probably what year are we talking here? Uh, when I made the move to Houston full time, it was 2005. Okay, 05, great yeah. time to be in the oil and gas world. Mm -hmm. um, this is where fracking was just the beginning of fracking. This was offshore, was really boom, starting to boom, yeah. but started to really come up in that next five to 12 time mm -hmm. frame. So just excellent time, tons of money, available yes so i mean i'll yeah tons of money available that was a good time yeah those were good times <laughs> <laughs> they didn't last very long no, no. Oil. i'll no. never get negotiating a contract at 140 yeah. and i left and i got whatever i wanted i thought to myself i am the best there ever was and it was a dual commodity market for a long time where both oil and gas were high that's right yeah. Yeah. gas yeah. was high mm -hmm. that's right so you you come in and you bring in new technologies. How receptive was oil and gas to new technologies during this time frame? Yeah, so I at the time I worked for a company called Stallion Oil Field Services. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, and um, and uh, it was they acquired this company, the solids control company that I that I started with, and it was a, a small company, you know, under two hundred employees, and and we grew through acquisition. Yeah, you were there so, a long time. Sure. Uh, they, are, I think, we acquired like 36 companies within between 2005 and 2008, and and it was all about integration, right? Integrate, 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 standardize, standardize, standardize. Get the economies of scale, uh, you know, build critical mass and everything that you do. Uh, and it was during that time also that uh, we developed, and I say developed, it, you know, of course, we went to market and acquired. A, a communications product mm -hmm. that targeted, you know, drilling sites at the time, drilling and completion sites. This is when the the rig the rig count in the United States was, you know, twenty four hundred. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and we provided satellite communication services to those sites, and and that was something that, um, you know, before us, and uh, there were a couple of other big companies that started like RigNet started mm -hmm. doing it at that time. Uh, the, the major market owner was a company called Lantel. And, and their approach was, you tell me where your rig is gonna be and we drop a landline yep. uh, to provide services uh, for that location. Well, if, if you're around the technology business or the communications business, that you know that at the time dropping a landline wasn't a two-day job, exactly. it was more like a two-month job, yep. right? So it was a very challenging environment to provide communications to. 
so we went to market with a satellite-based communication ser you know, service, uh, and it kind of took off, right? And, and within probably a couple of years, we were generating uh, upwards of $30 million in revenue uh, from this product. Just from that product, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was exciting, uh, you know, coming from IT, which is typically a cost center, mm -hmm. uh, to to being a revenue generating um, department, uh, which then makes it a lot easier to, to, go to spend and ask money for, sure. for IT, money. right? Mm -hmm. um, so so through that, through the deployment of that product, I would say that's when that's probably when I experienced my greatest technology growth in my career. Having grown up as a, as a pure play software developer uh, and going into Stallion, where I was in charge of you know systems, ERP, HR systems, imaging solutions, etc., um, you know that the true business analyst in me kind of formed, and then through the deployment of Starcom, which was the communications product, that's really where I gained my expertise in like networking and um, you know voice switching, etc. So. At the end of my um, stallion career, uh, I kind of was a jack of all trades, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to say that, yeah. master of none, perhaps. But uh, where you know I could I could talk development, I could talk networking, I could talk business um, uh, systems, and um, and and you know when I when I look again, I always do the lookbacks, right? Uh, when I start talking about um, with people that have worked with or uh, for me in in the departments that I've that I've uh, I've led, uh, one of the things that keeps coming up is you could talk my talk, right? You weren't just yeah. a, a leader that that was behind a, a PowerPoint, uh, but you really could get in here and do some coding, or right. you could. Richard, Help we may out, have found yeah. a, uh, a guest host here. <laughs> exactly. I'm serious. This yeah. is this is our kind of guy. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? Because, you know, we were talking about it before the podcast. It's very rare to find somebody that can speak both, right? And a lot of times you'll have the business end of, of that the side and the IT side, and they kind of talk past each other, mm -hmm. right? And they're both after the same thing, but getting them to that common language exactly. is it's, yeah. it's pretty rare to find somebody that could do both. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not joking. We may we may call on you at some point as a guest host here because we oftentimes need, you know, the the translation is so, it's crazy. Like mm -hmm. the name of this podcast is The It Crown, right? It's the double entendre of like the It IT and the It being the C-suite. The how, how can we kind of elevate both of them to talk to each other? But the real, the podcast was almost called What's My Password? Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because... That's like, a great name. It's funny. I mean, <laughs> yeah. because the the feeling is the same. Like the, we had a lot of these guys that just are so far behind, and they're like, ah, I don't know how to do X, Y, or Z. And you know, but how did we get these? How can we get everybody to talk to each other? And it really does take somebody that can calmly go in, explain these things, and how important it just. I'm I'm really I'm loving the story. So, all right. So you you go in. You've got these technologies. You understand kind of the, the gamut of op, of offerings, if you will, and then you jump into your style you had a great run there mm -hmm. um you you know it's interesting i kind of was looking at your career you've been through you've seen the ups and downs of oil and gas yes. you lived in one of our favorite cities you're also a fort worth guy i am that's yes. richard and i's right. favorite yeah. texas city or town if you will did you love it up there as well or uh my wife loved it more than i did yeah uh but yes fort worth is a great place to be yeah. uh, it's a small town it's a 
it's a big town with a small town feeling. Yeah, right? exactly. Is uh, there was one thing I missed in Fort Worth was the the food scene that Houston has. Oh, right? it's tough well, to be Houston's yeah. food. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really tough to be yeah. Houston's food. We've the diversity of it, anyways. Correct. Exactly. There's yeah. a lot of great. What's your favorite Houston restaurant? While we're oh, here, oh gosh, um, gonna put some heat on you. Yeah, I know that's uh, you're putting me on the give spot. Me, give me there. a couple of good ones you like. You don't have to say um, your favorite. Jalisco's in the Woodland. I live in the Woodlands. Where's Jalisco's uh, in the Woodlands? It's, it's right at the, uh, it's near the mall. It's in the mall. Oh, mall I've circle. seen this one. Is it, yeah. it starts with an X, right? Yes. Jalisco's with an X. Yes. See, I'm a gringo. Yeah. So that's, I, I didn't know that's how you said yeah. it. <laughs> Josh is like, I have no idea how to pronounce yeah. that. I know where it is though. Yeah. It's, it, so it's really good. Yeah. It, it's not Tex-Mex, right? Yeah. It's Mex-Mex. It's Mex-Mex. And uh, the food is great. They have a fantastic bar and they make amazing drinks and uh, it's it's become one of our favorite places to go, um, just because the food is so good. You have I need this is great. <laughs> I uh, Roberto's is another place in the Woodlands. I've read about it. I have yet to go. Love to Roberto's. It. It's it's Mex Mex as well. I went there and tried to order Tex Mex. Like this place is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went and I read about it as oh I ordered the wrong food. It's Mex Mex. So I went back second time and ordered properly. Outstanding. Yeah. By the way, we're keeping this in the podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm hungry right now, so <laughs> it actually sounds great. All right, Jalisco's yeah. on the books. I'm going to try that out. Yes. All right, so now you make your way to Kodiak. I did, yes. And you land at Kodiak. By the way, on another podcast with Dan Pickering, we had uh, Mickey on. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Yes. Great guy. He's, uh, I don't, I don't say soft-spoken because he's not soft-spoken. He's just, because um, he's very strong, mm-hmm. uh, knows what he wants. His story is incredible, how they just said, we're going to do this. And they haven't deviated. They've Absolutely. kind of forced, what is it, 2010, 11 time frame? Mm-hmm. They've just been marching forward. Yes. Um, with big dollars attached to them the entire time. It just feels like, and I asked him, I was like, how have you done this with this much pressure? He's like, well, I really have never known anything different. Yep. So they, they have had a lot of dollars just around them as they build equipment and capital equipment and they've and they've done an awesome job they've got a great product uh i highly recommend you look up kodiak we didn't even talk so what's your website right now people want to look up kodiak kodiakgas.com kodiakgas.com if you want a little bit more information on the company um the energy and transition podcast with dan pickering that we just did an interview with Mickey McKee, that's his first podcast he's ever done. So I highly recommend this audience go check that one out as well for just more info on him. But to this point, you get, that's they're running a phenomenal company over there. Yes. Uh, so far, I mean, I would say it's a great place to be. It's a yep. great place to work at. Um, the I think what Mickey has done with the with the organization and the culture he's built. Um, all about people. It's all about people. It's right? awesome. And and that and I think he, you know, I, I listened to the podcast and he talked about benefits and he talked about truck allowance and how he drove an F one fifty and not a jacked up two fifty, right? right? Um, and and it's all he about was people. Funny. Yeah, he's yeah. he's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, when you first meet him, he's so quiet, right? And then it it takes a little bit to to really get to know him. I mean, he's a former pro yeah. baseball player. You would never yeah. get, did you hear the part at the end when he, because his daughter's apparently a stud softball player too yes. at LSU. Yeah, LSU. yeah. And we kind of put it to him, like, would you choose LSU softball for your daughter or Tulane baseball for you? And he didn't really even think about it for long. He's like, yeah, Tulane baseball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad you listened to it. Yeah. But I again, I highly recommend this audience go listen to that one as well. It's a good story about the company. And like, if they really want an in-depth version of the company, they should go listen to that. But yeah. uh, with regard to you and what you guys are doing, I mean, you are you're expanding quickly. 
We are. Uh, we've. I mean, the company has grown leaps and bounds since day one, right? Three over three million horsepower, you know, set. Um, do you want to tell the audience what you guys do real quick? Yes. Yeah, so we do natural gas compression, uh, and and it's compression as a service. So you know, we we own and operate a large fleet of large horsepower natural gas compressors that compress gas into the pipelines or or back into the ground to to do oil oil lift, lift yep. right um, and 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 to your point earlier these these assets are not cheap mm-hmm. uh, you know they're very expensive assets um, they're very large physically large mm-hmm. assets they're very sticky with um, with our customers because yep. they're expensive and difficult and their to customers move. guys would be the large oil and gas EMP companies correct yeah and, and, and we pride ourselves in our 98% reliability, mechanical reliability guarantee, mm-hmm. which um, I don't think we've ever reached 98% because we're always in the high 90s, mm-hmm. 99s. Uh, and we and yeah, and you guarantee ninety eight, correct? Right, yeah. and they but he said they've never even fallen below that ninety nine. I think it's ninety nine point seven is yeah. typically our our mechanical availability, and and really comes down to the people, right? I think you've heard Mickey say. Uh, you treat your employees the same way you treat your customers, and the outcome is great service. Mm-hmm. And if you have a great product, with, then your customers appreciate that, right? And he mentioned the the lack of downturn mm-hmm. during the COVID compared to our competitors. That's right. You guys right. grew actually, yes. yeah. And 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 I think the 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 level of service that Kodiak provides um, is a testament uh, to it. You know, it's, it's really what our customers appreciate. Well, one of the things too that he talked about, and I, I'd like to get your take on this for for the way that you get to operate as a entity within the entity is they don't skimp on anything. They didn't. They don't skimp on the products they build. They didn't. Uh, he's you know they don't skimp on their employees. They don't skimp on. It just felt like there was this brand within the brand. It was like, look, if we're going to do, I think he said that. We're going to be the best at everything that we do. Yes, or right. n- or nothing, right? Yeah, or, right. or why if we're going to do it? We're going to be the best at it. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So, as the the CIO, I almost mm-hmm. called you the CTO. Excuse me, but the CIO, we, that directive when it comes to you, how do you feel like when you're looking at technologies? Because you guys are about to move into your new office. We are, and mm-hmm. when you're setting things up um, in the growth, like how do you, how do you view? All right, what is my responsibility here when I'm looking at all these different technologies? Do you feel that pressure? I say pressure is maybe yeah. the wrong word, but uh, responsibility of finding the best, being the best? I mean, y- yes, uh, I wouldn't call it pressure. Okay. Uh, and I mean, I, I'd love to go a little deeper on, deeper on these because I don't think that it's pressure or accountability, uh, but it's both. But the reason that we do it and i think if you look across my peers and and almost everyone at kodiak is is you know the company treats you as a certain way and in return you treat the 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 company a certain way and so there's no pressure to do anything right or better or the best it's just the way it is Mm -hmm. right you just it's kind of like a. It's kind of hard to explain, right? But um, not only do we want to, and it's kind of embedded in our DNA to to do the best we can at everything we do, but we're also 
and power to do it and given the proper resources to accomplish That's it. That's a great way right? of saying it. Yeah. Um, so the expectations, if you want to call them that, comes with the help and assistance that you need to, to be able to execute, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a very important, you know, component of the of the formula because uh, at time, you know, you got to make sure that you balance your expectations of, of outcomes to, to your inputs, right? What investment are you making into the solution? Um, because a lot of times, you know, if you want to call them technology fails, um, it's because your expectations were too much, you know, you either underfunded a project or under uh, invested in it from a resource perspective. Um, so it's, so I, I would say Mickey as, and Kodiak as a whole um, have extremely high expectations for outcomes, but they also understand that you need to break some eggs to make a cake, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so it's it's a great place to be at simply because while you're empowered to do big things and make bold decisions and make take risks as well, you're also given all the resources that you need to accomplish it. That's so cool. It's a it's, it's ideal a fun, situation. It's, yeah. it's so it really fun. is, yeah. And it's and it's actually rare because mm -hmm. there's been so many times, like you say, and you see it all the time, where you know people have these outsized expectations or they make promises, and it's like, well, you still have to put those resources to it, and they don't, and then they're like, well, why didn't we get what we asked for? Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, you have you got to look at the whole thing, right? But it it is rare to be in that kind of a situation, and having Mickey there is huge yeah, for you guys. Absolutely. Well, and to be honest with you, one of I'm going to give a quick shout out to truly one of Richard and I's favorite people is John Griggs. Mm -hmm. I I love John. I know Richard does too. We've known him a long time. He's a great guy. Uh, back to just somebody who does things the right way. He, we've known him. You've known him a lot longer than I have. But he's just solid. You, and it's really one of these things where you're like, all right, let's let's not only root for good companies, but because it's. You know, the, my favorite thing about these podcasts and this type of situation is, you know, people read about a public company. All right, Kodiak Gas. They look at numbers and they're like, well, who's, who's this guy? What is this guy? You know, they don't realize who's behind these companies. Right. They don't realize the, you know, the commitment and the expertise and the passion, what goes on. And then you mention a John Griggs or a Mickey or a Pedro, and they see these names on paper. They don't know who these people are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't understand the, that the focus of what you're doing today started in at 14 years old. You know, and mm -hmm. it's it's just like it's incredible when you can kind of pull these stories out, and and all of a sudden you understand why the company, even an upturn or downturn, the fight doesn't stop. It's, the fight doesn't stop because you've been fighting since you were 15 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, fighting maybe the right word, but scrap whatever the word is. You know, yeah. so it's just it's so cool to be able to talk about that. So just quick shout out to to John and your team. I love what you guys are doing. So no, I appreciate it's, that. It, it's yeah. really cool. It yeah, really and is. I think John John's great. Corey's Corey's great. I believe you. Richard Corey's knows Corey. Amazing. Yeah. So I yeah. think the, the, the who's Corey? What's Corey's last name? Raklowski. So she is. She's over at HR. She's your okay. CHRO. Oh, okay. okay. You've mentioned yeah. her before, right? And uh, but yeah, I mean, and that's again that that whole leadership team that you guys have. It's because it's because the the quality of character is because and everybody cares about the employees. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't normally I, do this I, to I, companies. We don't pump yeah. you up this much. It's, no, yeah. but <laughs> no, but it's it is. It's that quality of character that you guys have and. I mean, I've never, I've never been in your meetings, but I guarantee you, knowing those people, there's not a meeting that goes by where there's not somebody that's raising their hand saying, "How's this going to affect the employees? Yeah. Is this the right decision for the employees?" Because yeah. I know them all. That's cool. It's yeah. And you know, not not to hijack, but you know, you mentioned John. Of course, you guys know Corey as well. Uh, you met Mickey. Uh, you know, Chad, our COO, uh, 
I have a great partnership with him, and uh, it's it's amazing to work alongside people that don't. I don't want to call them boundaries, but you know they don't have their little mm. boundaries silos or silos, silos, right? Yeah. They're they're completely okay with you poking in and said, "Hey, have you thought of this?" Right? And we're all very competitive, so <laughs> <laughs> that's great too. Um, but at the same time, I think we're not afraid to challenge each other, yep. and 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 we allow each other to be challenged. Mm-hmm by by the team that right? just so, means there's a strong team yeah, quite right. honestly yeah so it's it's, it's a great environment yeah. yeah so well i mean that should be the commercial <laughs> for kodak <laughs> exactly. right there i mean cut that and send that into the sec and that's yeah. your new kodak commercial i love it we um i want to talk about the going public aspect yeah. and what did that look like from a cio level and, and I'm sure there's new restrictions for you or maybe you know, just rules. How did you have to prepare the company? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. Um, so so at Kodiak, we our operating model was to always be the best, right? So, um, you know, when you look at our, our go public approach from a systems or processes perspective, uh, nothing nothing major change, right? We were already operating what you would call in in a public mode, okay. right? Uh, yes, we have to do perhaps, uh, you know, more documentation in some areas, you know, we have to document the controls a little bit differently. Uh, of course, the public reporting aspect of, you know, your cues and your case has to be implemented. Uh, but um, it, it's not like we, said oh my gosh we have to do this differently right we just continue to operate right how we how we brought our product to market didn't change how we transacted in the back office didn't change uh, we had already kicked off uh, a new ERP implementation project prior to going public uh, in an effort to gain operational efficiency not so much to I mean it, it will help in our control structure but it's not the it's not the solution to our control mm-hmm. structure. Um, so, so I would say things change, but nothing radically changed okay. because we were we were already operating in that mode, right? We were already under PCAOB audit standards, uh, so we didn't have to change a whole lot about what we were doing. Of course, we still have to document the controls and yeah. make sure that that we implement um, you know public public company reporting structures and whatnot, but nothing, sorry, yeah, no, nothing, nothing exciting happened no, other than, you know. That just tells me it was operating yeah. properly. I mean, yeah. does the new world of, I hate to say cybersecurity, does that kind of stuff keep you up at night? I mean, do you monitor this stuff? I'm sure you yep. do, but like, mm-hmm. what is what are the things that you monitor now that you didn't maybe? You know, I think the, the one new thing that's coming down that just, you know, it's it's effective uh, in in the fourth quarter this year, or you know, for next year's first filing is the, the SEC cybersecurity reporting requirements, yeah, right? For, the, for your board? No, or this is actually to the public. To the so, public. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you get a yeah, if there's a if there's a material breach, you have yeah. to do it within seven four, business, four days. Yeah. 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 So I think that there is a cybersecurity reporting. I don't want to call it standard, but guideline now where you have to report your oversight structure, uh, you know, describe your program. Uh, but I think the most important thing is gonna be if you have a material impact, if a material cybersecurity event, you have to report it within four days yep. of 
of defining when the impact was material. Okay. Uh, and I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, as, a, as an investor, uh, I want to know uh, because cybersecurity, it's ambiguous because there's no standard, right? There's a NIST framework, there's a CIS framework, but there's no audit standard like, like we have with financial audits. Um, so, you know, you may have two equal companies and one could have a very good cybersecurity program and one could have a very, very poorly implemented cybersecurity program. As an investor, you have very little visibility into that. So that's the problem that the SEC is trying to solve because cybersecurity is such an, it's a big deal, right? Sure. It, could, it could literally destroy a company mm -hmm. overnight, uh, if, if not financially, at least from a reputational perspective. Um, but at the same time, as a technologist, uh, if I'm currently dealing with a cybersecurity event, I don't want to necessarily make that public to everybody as it's happening, mm -hmm. right? Because that's just opening the door yeah. to other attackers True. to attack someone that is in a vulnerable state, not, right? Not fixed yet. So I think it's, it's going to be an interesting 24 as companies start reporting it. And, and see what ultimately happens because it's, it's very new to both the SEC and also to the public companies that will have to you know adhere to the reporting standard. Yeah, I think in addition point. to that, it's also the the <clears throat> the requirement they have now that somebody on the board has to actually understand, you know, cybersecurity, what the policies are, you know, what's being implemented, and things like that, and be able to speak to it, you know, not just you know before it was like, hey, that's the new guy on the board, he can do the sign off, check right? the box, it, yes. exactly. Mm -hmm. So Richard has done his homework. I have not done my homework. Okay. This you're going to find this is oops, sorry. This is um, pretty indicative of our relationship. <laughs> so as I, as I just looked at your notes, Richard, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just realized I've been ignoring them the entire time. There's some actually pretty good notes here. Um, should, do we want to touch on these? Because yeah, they're pretty good. Sure. So I've been we've got, we touched on one of them. I got to yes, one of them on accident. Did. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, he's talking about how do you pick certain suppliers, and I think that's a good question because it leads lends from what we just talked about. Are there? I, I would have phrased it a little bit to the point of like, are there new technologies that you look at and you're like, that's pretty cool. I mm -hmm. like what's coming out here. And to that point, how do you pick suppliers or technologies that you guys are going to focus on as a strategy for a coming year? Or yep. how do how do you do how do you look at stuff like that? There's a lot of questions. Right. There. See? So, <laughs> so I would I'm almost split to, it into. I would almost yeah. split it into. I just gave you a lot of places yeah, to go. Yeah, I would almost yeah. split it into. I would. I would. I would say more. Maybe, you know, suppliers are, are one thing, and how do you, you know, how do you evaluate? Obviously, the ones that you have, and yep. then when you're looking at new ones, you know, what's the criteria that you kind of, kind of, kind of hold that hold, standard yeah. to? I would say that's one, and then the other thing would be when you look at new technologies, whether it's generative AI or other things that you're looking at over those next, you know, one to three years, how do you evaluate those technologies and say like, hey, this is for us, or this is probably not for yeah. us, but I have to know about it. Right. right. So, yeah, that sounds better. Uh, yes. Uh, no, you did a great <laughs> job, Josh. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say reference, right? Personal reference means a lot, right? If, if Richard came to me and said, hey, Pedro, you know, through a coffee and what's going on in your world, what's going on in my world? Oh, by the way, I have this vendor or this technology or this widget that I think you should look at because it helped me, mm. right? I would say that that's definitely the best 
way that uh, a, a vendor or a new tool can make its way into my you know universe mm -hmm. uh, because there's a lot of noise out there right tremendous amount of noise I mean I don't even have a phone on my desk anymore because it just keeps ringing right. and ringing and ringing with cold calls and and to your point Richard about AI every single product in the marketplace today is AI driven right but is it really? But it's, exactly. And that's it's the thing. Not, it's right? not. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's what Richard's yeah, been explaining yeah. to me is that it's just marketing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's kind of like the new cloud, right? right? Back in you know 2005, 2010, everything was cloud. Um, you know, I have a computer on my closet that that was the, that's my cloud. <laughs> um, and and I think everything nowadays is is AI, right? Yeah. And and I think as a as a business leader, it's it's important to not get to not think that AI is just that easy button that can say, "Ooh, I'm going to, you know, be able to drop my employee workforce by half because I can I can automate all our back office processes, right?" I think that's an unrealistic expectation today. Um, I think that, you know, generative 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 AI um, has a place in a lot of uh, business scenarios. In our case, um, you know, we have a large fleet of field technicians that are at different levels of training and at li different levels of experience, and they're dealing with you know a machine that is uh, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, and they're consuming parts and they're changing parts and they're tweaking things, um, sometimes with good outcomes and sometimes with bad outcomes. So, one of the things that we're working on is can we help them with a you know what you would call a Chat GPT sure. uh, type of tool where they could ask a question mm. and say, I have these symptoms, you know, could you help me find a potential solution? Um, and it's, a, it's easier said than done, right? I think uh, with OpenAI's um, platform that is sourced by the internet, it's, you know, you can ask it a lot of questions. Uh, however, when you get into dom domain specific things, it's, it's all about the sources of data. Exactly that mm -hmm. it has to reference, right? Yeah. So in, in our case, um, you know, it's important for us to curate a set of documentation, mm -hmm. procedures, um, SOPs that we can feed into the model. And then over time, um, you have to keep providing it successes and failures, right. right? Yes, that worked, no, that didn't work. And over time, then you end up with a model that is relevant to your specific domain. Right. Um, so to think that, you know, you could bring in a chat GPT into your environment and have solutions tomorrow, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an attainable outcome. Right. Uh, but you bring it in today, you train it over the next two years, and then maybe not two years, maybe six months, depending on, on the on the main specifications, uh, then it can truly enhance, mm -hmm. um, right. you know, your how you operate. Right, yeah. right. That's what's blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. Again, from the, I told you the position yeah. of how, that I am on this podcast. I am blown away. Like you guys aren't. Maybe you aren't as pressed. I don't know. Maybe I don't know where your level of just shock and awe is on this whole thing. I can't believe what Chat. G GPT is in the in the generative AI and you know we had a meeting a couple weeks ago with the CTO of uh, Corva and, and this guy was incredible and you know I just can't believe some of this technology out here mm -hmm. and I see and I'm playing with it as a novice and I'm and I'm messing with it and when you, when you're talking about how it can help these guys in the field that there's some 
pros and there's some newbies, right? Right. And I, I understand what you're saying there, and I'm like, I can guarantee that's going to help the newbie get past some hump that he's sitting Absolutely, on. Absolutely. Yeah. And like the value of that getting over that hump quicker by an hour or a day or whatever the time frame, the value that that adds to the company, and not only that, but how about the frustration level of a person who, who's already frustrated at something else as as being a new guy or a new girl. And if you can just like one little frustration that goes away and your satisfaction with your job and your employment and you're this, it, I, it's, it's so incredible to me that yeah. I'm like, I hope these companies are paying a lot of attention to this and just being like, I want to get involved in this right now. Yeah. And it, and it does have an e, a P&L impact, like you mentioned, of I'm spending less time doing my <clears throat> task. Uh, I may have less maintenance-induced failures in my assets mm-hmm. because we're not just swapping parts randomly because I think that could help. Uh, but also from a workforce is, uh, you know, we're coming to, exp- you know, I call it new kids, even though I'm, I don't think I'm that old yet. Uh, but, you know, you have this new generation of employees coming into the workforce now that the iPhone, yeah. is all, they know it, right? right? And, and if you want to watch a movie, you can watch a movie anywhere at any time. And if you have a question, you can just ask Google. And, and it's inconceivable that we bring these individuals into the workforce and we say, now you're tied down to this PC or a green screen, God forbid. Um, and we have to essentially meet them where, uh, where they are, right? They, like, is what they're used to. So uh, I believe you asked, somebody asked Mickey uh, during his po- podcast is like, you know, are you competing with McDonald's, right, on, on your workforce? Mm. Uh, I don't think we're competing with McDonald's, but I think that if we bring a new individual in that's used to the iPhone, right, and, and we, are, we don't allow them to perform their daily duties the way that they're used to interacting with their day-to-day life, mm-hmm. then the, the job satisfaction goes down, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's equivalent of you showing up to work today and saying, now you had to fill out all these forms. Think yeah. about going to the doctor's office, yes. right? Who's satisfied when you go to a doctor's office? Every form, every time. It's like, really? It's 2023. Exactly. Like, can I just not fill it out one time and it just moves? You know, just, moves just for the audience's yeah. benefit, when he talks about competing with uh, McDonald's, what that's referring to is the, the workforce uh, in some of the places that you're operating, how hard it is to get workers out in the oil field. And whereas a McDonald's is paying $25 an hour, some places, you know, in these remote Midland or North Dakota, that's, mm-hmm. that's what he's referring to. Yeah. Just, just so we're all aware. Cause you know, the skill set level is much different, but just getting a qualified worker at whatever dollar amount matters at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's not only for employees, but customers as well, right? You have to be able to meet them and, and how they communicate, right? Because you have these different generations now that are still relevant, whether they're customers or employees. And some people do like to sit in their office and have their PC, and that's the only way they know how to. Some people like text or whether it's, you know, chatbots or social. And you have to be able to embrace all of that and give them those options because if not, you're going to lose them really quick because there is so much competition out there for different products, right? And so, yeah, I think think that's that's the real message is meeting them where, where they need to be met. Yeah. And and you know we're actually working on a on a customer portal right now at Kodiak with for the purposes of eliminating friction, right? If you can go to your phone and get your bank balance and and order groceries, like it's very difficult to then say, Mr. Customer, if you want to find this information, 
you have to call this person and then they have to go research it and then yep. they get back with you right we had it, this conversation <laughs> yeah. the other day i'm like you know it's funny we were talking to we were talking to a customer and it's like in your personal life you know you're, you're ordering your what'd you do today you ordered your your starbucks this morning and it was there for pickup and you did it through the app you got instacart coming so it's their groceries are there before you like you do all this great stuff in your personal life and then you come to work where you spend an enormous amount of your time and you're not using any of that technology. Mm, yeah. It's like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Exactly. You're like, oh, I never really thought of mm. it that way, right? And, you know, we used an example where, you know, we we had a use case where we we put some we put some technology in where people were actually doing it through through text and actually like DMs and some social and some social platforms. And they actually had a customer go in on a social platform and say, like, hey, I had this problem with this or that. And before it even before anybody else even knew it, it got pinged up because it got picked up and they're like, Hey, we see this and it was fixed before it even became a general problem and they were able to communicate to the customer base saying, Hey, here's the upgrade to this, mm -hmm. right? Just install this and it's fine. Yeah. It's like, well, we would have never it would have taken us weeks or months to yeah. figure that out, right? Yeah. Well, what else do we need to know about you, your career, your I mean, you, we looked I mean, you do some cool stuff. You said your father. How many? You have a daughter. A, 13? a daughter, thirteen year old. Nice. Yeah. Um, and you're scuba diving. How how deep are you going? What kind of scuba diver are you? Uh, I'm actually a scuba diving instructor. Oh, yeah. Wow. So okay. uh, you ask. You know, that's an interesting question. So everybody's like, "How deep do you go?" Uh, you actually don't go that deep. I mean, a, a recreational scuba diver. Uh, our depth limit is about 120 feet. It's deeper than I want to go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I want no part of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of going to say like 20 feet. I was yeah. okay. Yeah. But uh, I've, you know, I've always been fascinated by water. Fascinated by water. And uh, when when I when I was living in Dublin, I I got a job, a second job at a scuba diving store, uh, and I kind of traded my hourly wages for scuba diving classes and equipment and. Um, and, and really, I, I, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you call, what's your passion, right? Yeah. I would say that that's one of my passions, okay. right? It's, it's the, the, the underwater world and just being away from everything and, and sharing that experiences with, with my wife and my daughter, yeah. right? We, we all love to do it. And now every vacation that we take, it's around. But you're also a pilot. And you're a pilot. Yes. So yeah. you love the subsea and the, and the, yes. the air. Yeah. We need to go on vacation with Pedro. Okay. Yeah. Well, he flies <laughs> us and then we get to yeah. go diving. Exactly. God, it's amazing. I might stick yeah. in the 12-foot space yeah. while you yeah. guys go deeper. But yeah. Yeah. And and uh, being a pilot is something that uh, an old boss of mine at Stallion got me into. Uh, and he was actually afraid of flying. And he was telling me the story about um, he, he had cancer. And he survived. And after he survived cancer, uh, his thing was, well, I'm not going to be af afraid of flying anymore. And and he actually ended up getting his pilot's license. And and he took me along, and that kind of you know, you know, gave me the little spark. Yeah. And um, I really enjoy it. I, there's a there's a technical aspect of it, which is understanding the regulations and and the you know instruments. instruments. Uh, and there's also just an a finesse or an art about sure. it, which is the ability to control the aircraft and you know the flare to land. So it's and and while you're doing it, that's all you're thinking about, right? right? So, <laughs> so awesome. that's that's Much the like beauty of it. Yeah, which sure. is, if you, you're not, you're in trouble. Exactly. Yeah. You can forget about work. You can forget about your day-to-day -day worries, and you just focus on that sole activity that you're performing. It's kind of relaxing. Uh, so I 
I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, you are very interesting. Thank you. You have got a great story. Um, this was, you know, we have high expectations for our guest. This, but this definitely <laughs> exceeded it, it did, for sure. Truly, and I'm, we're not just saying that. Yeah. This was really a cool interview. I think we're going to call you back as a guest host. So I'd love know, to do that. Be yeah. prepared for that one. I think that because we need someone who can understand both worlds, and I just feel like you're uniquely qualified. So just, uh, yeah, be prepared. Before you go, is Ohio State, the, the, I'm not going to say it. The Ohio is, State <laughs> University. Yeah. <laughs> Are they going to win the national championship this year? You're number two. You were number one for a little bit. I got a guy that went to Georgia that works yeah, for me. He it, was that's a hard question because every time you think this is their year because they have an amazing team, they don't. And and then the year that they did, they did not have that That's star right. team, right? And they beat Oregon. Um, so I would say that, I'm going to say yes, because they don't have that. I mean, they have some great athletes. Lauren, mark right? that, because we're going to send that yeah. to them if they win. Yeah. So and, and you Lauren's our producer. That. <laughs> yeah, we'll send that to you. Um, they've, they've gotten better every every week, and they don't, they, they did not, have the high expectations this year than that they have had in previous years. Uh, so I would say that there's, there's, I think there's a chance. <laughs> okay. Well, you you didn't say chance a minute ago. You I said know you said, it, I, you said I it off a little bit. Richard was shaking his head at well, me. He's a UT guy. My, my hope is that they don't. But yeah. I mean, again, he's a UT oh, guy. Don't pay attention to him. They got a great team though. They, they, they always have a great oh. team. Yeah. Well, Pedro Buigas, as I say it, did I butcher it? No, it was pretty close. It was close. Yeah. Say it properly so I can get... Buigas. Buigas. That's pretty much what this gringo said. <laughs> Very nice to have you. The Chief yes. Information Technology, uh, Chief Information Officer for Kodiak Gas. Thank you very much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your Same family. To you guys. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Very much. Yeah, enjoy Richard, it. enjoy your Thanksgiving. Yours as well. Thank you, buddy. And a quick reminder for all of, our, uh, all of our listeners, go to any of your favorite platforms, listen to us, rate us, comment. Uh, we accept, you know, as bad as they are, as good as they are. I, I, I don't think there's any I reject that. How don't send anything one? negative. <laughs> we will delete those immediately. <laughs> but you have a you rule everybody. for that, right? Yes. Just goes yeah, exactly. exactly. Junk mail. Yeah. If you have any complaints, we don't read those either. If you have any feedback, we don't read that. Unless it's positive. <laughs> See, we're it's really a high bar here. It's, yes, it's yes. either we like you, you tell us how great we are, or never come or, back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you again for your time. Thank you guys very Appreciate much. It. I enjoyed it. The It Crowd Podcast is proudly brought to you by the following sponsors. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com. ClearSync Solutions, unifying your technology solutions with simplicity, from M&A integration to global connectivity, cybersecurity to managed services. We're your comprehensive partner, aligning your business goals with technology for energy, oil and gas, and financial service firms. Trust our proven track record. ClearSync Solutions. One ClearSync, countless possibilities.